0: In the fall of 2008, Hurricane Gustav was bearing down on the city of New Orleans, and the city officials had ordered everybody to evacuate the city. But there was one woman named Hattie who decided she was going to stay put. She told the reporters, look, I've got everything I need to ride out this storm. And she said, I got liquor, cash. Food, ammunition, and weed. What I want to say to you today is as a believer, you have everything you need to ride out whatever storms come your way. Whatever difficult, painful situations that come your way, you can face them with absolute confidence. Certain That you will have what you need. See, here's the thing about difficulty. Difficult situations and circumstances, you know as well as I do, they often cause fear and anxiety and stress. What I'm here to tell you today is it's unnecessary. The fear is unnecessary. The anxiety is unnecessary. The stress is unnecessary for those who are believers. Instead of fear and anxiety and stress, I want to say to you today, you can have confidence, assurance, and calm. But as believers, our confidence isn't based on superficial things like this lady in New Orleans who she said she was going to be fine because she had booze and drugs and guns and food. Listen, our confidence isn't based on what we possess or or what we can do. We can face any situation with confidence because our confidence is Christ. See? Listen. Because Jesus is God, believers can face any circumstance with confidence. Any health crisis. Any financial crisis. Any relationship crisis. Any crisis you can face with confidence because of who Jesus is. I want you to look with me in the book of Mark, chapter 6, verses 45 to 56 is the scripture we're going to look at today. The
1: disciples
0: of Jesus are in training. They've been with Jesus full time for quite a while now by His words and His actions, Jesus has been revealing to them the reality of who He is. He has been teaching them to, to uh, uh, everything they need to know about the kingdom of God. He, he's preparing them, do not you see? He's preparing them to preach the good news to the world, which is going to be their full-time occupation once He returns to the Father. But there's a problem. They have proven to be slow learners, like you and I sometimes are. They still haven't learned one very important lesson. Jesus is the only resource they need in any and every situation. Just a week before last, we were looking at the book of Mark where Jesus multiplied the loaves and the fish. And when Jesus told them, look, you give these people something to eat. They were at a loss. How in the world are we going to feed this many people? They hadn't learned that Jesus was the only resource they needed. So Jesus is going to do something. He's going to do something to show them who he really is, to show them that he's all they need. You see, the disciples, at this point, all these difficult situations that Jesus puts them in on purpose to teach them, they still produce in them fear and anxiety and stress. But he's about to do something to change that. Look with me in Mark chapter 6, verse 45. Please stand for the reading of God's word. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side to Bethsaida. While he himself was sending the crowd away, after bidding them farewell, he left for the mountain to pray. When it was evening, the boat was in the middle of the sea and he was alone on the land. Seeing them straining at the oars... For the wind was against them at about the fourth watch of the night. He came to them walking on the sea and he intended to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed that it was a ghost and cried out. For they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke with them and said to them, take courage. It is I do not be afraid. Then he got into the boat with them and the wind stopped and they were utterly astonished for they had not gained any insight from the incident of the loaves, but their heart was hardened. When they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret and they moored to the shore. When they got out of the boat, immediately the people recognized him. And ran about that whole country and began to carry here and there on their pallets those who were sick to the place they heard he was. Whenever he entered villages or cities or countryside, they were laying the sick in the marketplaces and imploring him that they might just touch the fringe of his cloak and as many as touched it were being cured. Let's pray. Oh, Lord. Lord. Open your word to us. And open us to your word. I ask it for Christ's glory and for our good. Amen. Be seated. The very first thing we see in these verses is the display of Jesus' identity. Jesus does something that is designed to erase any remaining doubt about who He really is. Notice what it says in verse 45. Now, here's the setting. Jesus has just fed the 5,000 men plus women and children. It is getting evening. And Jesus, it says, made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of Him to the other side. It, It means He compelled them. He didn't just ask them, would you mind going on ahead of me? No, no. He sent them away purposely without him. And you'll notice this. After he sent the crowd away, he bid the disciples farewell. Then he went alone to the mountain to pray. Now notice verse 47. Watch this. When it was evening, the boat was in the middle of the sea And he was on the land. Mark's trying to make sure we don't miss this. Jesus has intentionally separated himself from the disciples. He's sent them away without him. Mark wants to make sure we know. Jesus is on the land and the disciples are where? It says, in the middle of the sea. Now I want to show you something that you'll miss if you're not careful. Watch this verse 47 Excuse me verse 48 Seeing them straining at the oars for the wind was about for the wind was against them at about the fourth watch of the night he came to them walking on the sea seeing them straining at the oars it's night time Jesus is on land Where are the disciples? It says in verse 47
1: in the middle of the sea.
0: Do you see it? Seeing them at night in the middle of the sea while he's on land. It didn't say they were on the edge of the sea, it said they were in the Middle. How in the world does Jesus see them in the middle of the sea at night when he's on the land?
1: I'll give you one guess.
0: Because he's God, there's nothing that escapes his vision. Let me tell you why this is so encouraging. I I need you to get this. No matter what you are going through, no matter where you are, He sees. How can He see? How can He see what everybody's going through no matter where they are? Because He's God. He sees. Look, I I need you to catch this. This is where it gets good. He sees them straining at the oars. Verse 48. Now this doesn't mean there's a big storm going on. It just means there's a stiff headwind. and And they're having to paddle into a stiff headwind and they're having to strain to try to paddle this boat. They're not making much headway. And look what it says. At about the fourth watch of the night, that's between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., he came to them walking on the sea. Yesterday, me and Kent and Brother Frank went to the hospital to see Brother John Wayne Toller, who is in the cardiac wing at Wesley Hospital. And it was raining pretty much the whole time. When we got there, we had to walk from the parking lot to the, to the hospital, and there was a lot of water on the ground. And we were having to walk through that water. Of course, it's concrete, and it wasn't very deep, but we walked through that water. I want you to think about that. That's what Jesus is doing. He's walking on the lake like it's just wet concrete. Can you see that? It's like wet concrete, just like concrete with an inch of rainfall and he's just walking right across it. I want to read you a verse from Job. Actually, three verses from Job chapter 9, verses 5 through 8. It is God who removes the mountains. They know not how when He overturns them in His anger who shakes the earth out of its place and its pillars tremble who commands the sun not to shine and sets a seal upon the stars who alone stretches out the heavens and tramples down the waves of the sea. It is God who tramples down the waves of the sea.
1: How can any Man walk across the sea. Any man can't.
0: Only the God man. Do you see what they're telling us? Jesus sees them at night when they're in the middle of the lake and he's on land. He walks to them on the water like it's wet concrete. Oh, but that's not even the best part. Look what it says in verse 48. The last part of the verse, he intended to pass by them. Pass by. This doesn't mean what it sounds like. It it sounds like he's just going to keep walking past them and go on. It's not what it means. It means pass before or pass in view of and it's taken from the Old Testament. It's a phrase we see God use, the exact same wording in the Old Testament. You remember in Exodus 33, verses 18 and 19, when Moses said to God, I pray you, show me your glory. You remember that? This is what God replied when Moses said, show me your glory. God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord. And later in that same chapter, Exodus 33, verses Uh, Chapter 34, rather, verses 5 through 7. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood there with him as he called on the name of the Lord. Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression and sin. Moses said, God, show me your glory. And God said, I will pass by you. I will pass before you. And in Mark, we see Jesus intended to pass before them. Pass in view of them. Why? To leave them so he could go on his way? No, 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 no so they could see His glory. You understand? God said to Moses, I'm going to pass by you so you can see My glory. And here Jesus is. He has intentionally put these disciples out in the middle of the lake without Him at night for the very purpose of walking to them on the sea and letting His glory be seen by them. Jesus is revealing himself
1: as God.
0: This is so encouraging. There was nothing that could keep Jesus from getting to his disciples in their time of need. Not even a lake. When he didn't have a boat. He just walk on. Listen, how encouraging is it to know that no matter what your situation is, there is nothing that can keep him from getting to you. He sees. He always sees. And there's nothing that can keep him to getting from you. But the most important thing you need to see in this, Jesus is showing us that he is God. He can see what nobody else can see. He can walk even on the water. He's revealing His glory. you got to see this. As God, the Creator of the world, walks on the mighty seas, so Jesus walks on the water of the Sea of Galilee, just as Yahweh God passed before Moses to reveal His glory. So here Jesus reveals His divine authority on the lake as he walks toward the disciples. Listen, here Jesus displays his true identity. He is God. Then he tells the disciples how they should respond in light of the fact that he is God. And that's the next thing we see, the response of the disciples. The response of the disciples. In one word, What should be the response of disciples in the light of the fact that Jesus is God? In any situation, what should be our response? In one word, confidence. The first thing I want you to see is the call to confidence. Verse 49 and 50. You can see the disciples were terrified. They thought, Jesus was a ghost. In other words, a disembodied spirit. And they didn't really believe in ghosts, but they had no way to explain it. And they were, what does it say, verse 50? They were terrified. But what did Jesus say?
1: Take courage. Take courage.
0: Courage. In the face of their fear, Jesus says, take courage. This word courage refers to confidence or assurance. And then you notice what else he says. Don't fear. Do not be afraid. So it's the opposite of fear. Confidence. You're assured. You're not not fearful. You're not anxious. You're not stressed. You're confident, assured, and calm. This is what Jesus tells them. Look, it's it's just part of human nature that when we face difficulty, that fear begins to rise up in us. We begin to get anxious and we begin to get stressed. And what Jesus is saying to us is, look, you see who I am,
1: so calm down.
0: What I'm telling you is, no matter what, You're facing. You can and should, as a believer in Jesus, be confident and assured and stress-free. He calls us to confidence. But I want to show you something else. I want you to see here the basis of confidence. I mean, what what is this confidence based on? We've already seen it, but I want to show it to you again. Look at verse 50. In the face of their fear, Jesus says, Take courage. It is I. Be not afraid. One way we would probably say that in English, if it was us speaking, would say, It's me. That's not the way this should be translated. It is I is really not the best translation of that. If we translate it direct from the Greek, the Greek words are ego and me. You know what we would how we would translate that in English if we translated it specifically? Take courage, I am.
1: Take courage. I am.
0: Wow. Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. God has appeared to Moses in the burning bush and he's called Moses to go back to Egypt because God's going to lead them out of slavery. and Moses is going to be the leader of, of Israel as God brings them out. And Moses said to God, Behold, I am going to the sons of Israel and I will say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, what is his name? What should I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent you. You see, I am is the name of God. He is the great I am. Jesus said, take courage.
1: I am. Do you see it?
0: Listen, we see it all through the Gospel of John. Seven times in the Gospel of John, Jesus uses them same words. John 6.35, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. In John 8, chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. John chapter 10, verse 9, he says, I am the door of the sheepfold. In John chapter 10, verses 11 through 14, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. In John chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth. And the life. In John chapter 15 verses 1 through 5. Jesus says I
1: am the true vine.
0: Listen to me. The basis of our confidence. In the face of difficulty. Is not our own strength. Or our own wisdom. Or our own skill. The basis of our confidence is the great I am who shows himself perfectly in the Son of God.
1: You understand?
0: Why can you face every situation and circumstance in life with confidence? Because Jesus is the I am. The one you have placed your trust in is the I am. That's the basis of our confidence. But we see next the hindrance to confidence. There is something that hinders this confidence we should have in Jesus. You'll see what it says about the disciples in verse 51. When Jesus got into the boat with them, the wind stopped and they were utterly astonished. Why were they so surprised after they'd seen all the things he'd done? I mean, they'd seen him do so many miraculous things. Why are they still shocked? Well, you see why. Verse 52. They had not gained any insight from the incident of the loaves, but their heart was hardened. In other words, when Jesus multiplied the loaves and the fish and fed the 5,000 people plus women and children, they didn't see that for what it was. It was a display of His glory. It was revealing to them who He really is, that He is nothing less than God, but they didn't see it. Why? Because it says their hearts were hard. Now, For you and I, in the Western English world, the heart is the seat of emotions. But for the Jews, it wasn't. It was more like the core of who you are. It was your thinking. Your thought processes. So when he says they're
1: hard-hearted, it
0: means they still don't see Him for who He is. It still hasn't gotten through their thick skull who Jesus is. They're dull. Still don't see. They're still blind to the full truth about Jesus. They still don't understand. That's what keeps them from having the confidence and assurance and calm in the face of difficulty. That's why they're uh, terrified and anxious and stressed out. Because they still don't get it. You remember when they were in the boat in the storm and Jesus was asleep on the cushions and they all panicked and said, woke Jesus up and said, don't you care that we're going to die in this storm? Jesus calmed the storm and said, why are you afraid, you of little faith? What is he saying? He said, their fear was a result of them not realizing who was in the boat with them. They didn't realize it was God in the boat. If they had really understood that, they wouldn't have been afraid. Their hindrance from having the confidence they should have had was a failure to see. Oh, listen to what I'm telling you today. We know in our heads who Jesus is. If I were to ask you, do you believe Jesus is God? Nod your head what you would say.
1: Yeah, you believe that. You know that
0: up here. Here's our problem. We don't always let that truth lead us to its logical implications. In other words, if Jesus really is God, then there are some implications of that. We acknowledge the fact that he is God, but we don't always follow that out to the logical implications. You know what we start doing? And it's, it's all of us. When we come into difficulty or hardship, we start trying to figure out a way to get out of it. We start... Thinking, okay, what, what have I got to do? I got a problem. I got to solve it. I got an obstacle. I got to overcome it. I got a barrier. I got to find my way through it. Don't we do that? Don't we do that? When we come to difficulty, we start looking within and around to find solutions. What can I do? Where can I find help? I got, I got to, we, think, we think all the pressures on. We got to solve this problem. We got to figure it out. I'm bad to do this. I'm bad to try to take it in hand and try to fix it. I feel like the pressure's on me. What what is what is that fear and anxiety and stress? Where does that come from? Because I haven't stopped and really thought about who the Jesus I trust is. Here's the question.
1: If your trust is in Jesus, and Jesus is God, why are you fearful? Why are you stressed?
0: Why are you anxious? If you trust in Jesus, and Jesus is God, why do you think it's up to you to find a solution? You see, the hindrance to you and I really having the confidence and assurance and calmness in difficulty is because we don't stop and think carefully about who Jesus is and what the implications of that are. If He's God, there's no reason for me to be afraid. There's no reason for me to feel like it all rests on me to solve this problem. But I want to get to the practical part. Let's talk about the exercise of confidence. How do we exercise confidence in Jesus? What do we do to show, to demonstrate our confidence in Jesus? Now, I want this to be more than theory. I want you to know how to respond in situations to show you have confidence in Christ. We see it in verses 53 through 56. When the boat gets to land, they come to a place called Gennesaret. They tie the boat to the shore. And I want you to notice what happens when they get there. Look at verse 54. When they got out of the boat, immediately the people recognized him. Now, what Mark is doing, he's wanting to contrast for us the people on the shore and the disciples. When Jesus came to the disciples on the sea, they didn't what? They didn't recognize Him. But when Jesus gets to the shore, the people did what? They recognized who He was. What's the first step And exercising confidence, or or, or, you know, what's the first step in being able to have confidence in the face of difficulty? Recognize who Jesus is. In other words, when, when when you face a time of difficulty, when you come into a time of stress, no matter what it is, the very first thing you do before you start brainstorming ideas of how to fix it, you stop and you meditate, and you think, and you remind yourself who this Jesus I trust is. Recognize who this is. The Jesus I profess faith in, the Jesus I have given my life to, the Jesus I follow, the Jesus I trust, is God Almighty. That's the starting place. For any difficult situation, your confidence grows out of your realization, this is God I look to and depend on. But not only do they recognize, I want you to notice what else they do in verse 55. Immediately the people recognized him and ran about the whole country and began to carry here and there on their pallets those who were sick to the place they heard he was. Do you catch what they did? They recognized and they ran.
1: They, they knew who he was.
0: They realized what he could do. And so they ran to him with their needs. This is what you and I do. You want to have confidence in every situation? First, stop and recognize who Jesus is, this Jesus you trust, who He really is, and then run to Him.
1: Run to Him.
0: Don't run to your friends first. Don't start looking at your own resources first. Run to Him. And what's next? Let me show you. Verse 56. Wherever He entered villages or cities or countryside, they were laying the sick in the marketplaces and imploring Him that they might just touch the fringe of His cloak. And as many as touched it were cured. The fringe of his cloak. Okay. Jewish men had tassels on the corner of their cloaks. They sewed tassels on the four corners of their outer garment to remind them of the commandments of God. This is from the Old Testament. And the people were touching the tassels on his cloak. And it says as many as touched it were healed. Now here's what I need you to catch. Don't miss this. Verse 56, imploring Him that they might just touch the fringe of His cloak. In other words, they weren't just reaching out and touching Him, they were asking for permission. You catch that? Recognize,
1: run, request. Run to Jesus and
0: implore Him. Lay whatever your concern is at His feet. Jesus, all the fullness of God is in you. You have all the very power of God Himself. So I run to you. Here is my need. Here is my trouble. Here is my problem. They implore him. They know that healing is dependent on him. They know that the power they need resides in Jesus, but it's up to him to give it. So they recognize who he is. They run to him and they request. And then notice the last step in this process. The end of the verse 56. As many had touched it, were cured. You know what the final part of this is? When you... Face difficulty. You want to have confidence. Recognize who Jesus is. Stop and remember who this is. Secondly, run. Before you go anywhere else, look to Jesus. Request. Lay your concern at His feet. And then you know what the last thing you do? Rest. As many as touched Him were cured. What does that mean? That means you can rest assured that He has the power, He has the ability, He has the resources to meet any need you have. How can you be so sure that Jesus can meet any need, provide any resources, overcome any obstacle? How can you rest with such assurance? Because He is who? God.
1: Recognize, run,
0: request, and rest with confidence and assurance that he can handle it. That's where assurance
1: comes from. That's where confidence comes from. In your health crisis right now, I know some of you have health issues.
0: Terry, been praying for Terry. John Wayne's in the hospital, and Andy's had some struggles.
1: What do you do? Recognize, run, request, and rest.
0: Some of you are concerned about your children or your grandchildren and you're worried they're going down the wrong road and you don't know what to do. It's an obstacle that you don't see a way to get over. It's a barrier. You don't know how to get through. What do you do to keep you from being fearful and anxious and stressed? You you recognize. You run.
1: You request. And you rest. Some of you...
0: Maybe you're worried that there's not going to be enough money at the end of the month. Things are slim and you you don't know how you're going to make a way. What do you do? Recognize. Run. Request. Rest. It's the same no matter what your situation is. I don't know if you realize this or not. One year ago, this Sunday, today, I gave my resignation at Parkway Baptist Church in Tupelo, Mississippi. I resigned from Parkway a year ago
1: today to come here.
0: When I stepped out of the pulpit after giving my resignation, I was faced with some obstacles.
1: I was staring down a
0: $43,000 pay cut. And I only had one car. I would have to have another car that I didn't
1: have the money to buy.
0: It's crazy. God, by His grace, He kept Angela and I from fear and anxiety and stress. We honestly, by His grace, we didn't, Experience those things. You know what God did first? My insurance man in Tupelo, Mississippi gave us a car. He drove up in my driveway in a black Nissan Maxima, got out, handed me a title and two keys. Second, second, God gave me the only job I ever prayed for. I knew I was going to have to find another job when I came here. And I only prayed and asked for one and God gave me the first job I asked for. Now that didn't make up the whole deficit and the money I lost, but it made up enough that we could survive.
1: A few months ago,
0: that car that God gave us, transmission went out. Back in the same situation. I got to have another car and I don't have the money to go buy a car. You know what I did? I panicked. Fear and anxiety and stress set in. And I was at the verge of taking on a six-year car note because I didn't know how else to solve this problem. I couldn't afford it, but I was going to do it just because I didn't know what else to do and I was afraid and I was anxious and I was fearful. You know what God did? He showed me it was all unnecessary. All that fear and anxiety and stress was unnecessary. What did he do? He gave me a truck. He gave me he gave me a, a car and a job. Well, I lost the car. He gave me another car. And guess what happened last Tuesday? I lost the job. I got canned last Tuesday. I got laid off from my hospice job. For the first time in my adult life, I don't make enough money to pay my bills.
1: Am I worried? No.
0: You know why? Well, for one thing, it hasn't even been a week, and my wife already has a job interview next week to be the secretary at Foxworth First Baptist Church. And you know what it looks like? Possibly. Possibly that she's going to be able to make up the deficit of what we need and I'm going to be able to give myself full time to working for the church. What? Listen, what am I saying to you? I'm saying to you because Jesus is God. Believers can face any circumstance with confidence. Oh, listen to me, friend. Listen to me, believer. It's not up to you to solve every problem and overcome every obstacle. It's not in your hand. Now, that don't mean you sit there and do nothing. But, but that weight's not on your shoulders. We have a tendency to look within and look around for help and solutions, but the first thing we ought to do is look up.
1: What am I saying to you? He's got it.
0: He's got it. He sees. Nothing can keep him from getting to you. He walks on the water for goodness sake. He can meet every need you have. Fear and anxiety and stress are absolutely unnecessary.
1: All you have to do is recognize, run, request, and then rest. Let's pray.